Hello and welcome back to the Press and Matters podcast. Uh, there's been a lot happening because we've been away for a week and every manager has been sacked. Uh, I'm Sam Hyde, I'm joined by Toby Pisever. Hello Sam, I'm still in the job. Yeah, we're still good, you never know. End of season review, maybe maybe something will change. Well, we'd be lucky to make it to the end of season with how some of these, uh, <laughs> some of these managers are dropping. Yeah, missed a week last week. Um, got some catching up to do, but also uh, recent news is that it was Liverpool versus Chelsea last last night as a recording, which was nil nil. Uh, I'm building this up like we're going to talk about the game, but uh, I don't think you really want to talk about the uh, Liverpool side of things too much, Toby. But uh, obviously, it was the first game without Graham Potter. He's been sacked since the last time we did the podcast. Should we talk about Potter for a bit to start with, just sort of catch up on how we're feeling about Potter's half season? Well, well, there's been a lot of there's been a lot of sackings. We were kind of calling for sackings every podcast, really, Sam. It, it had become a bit of a trend. We just wanted people out of jobs. We wanted unemployment numbers rising. No, we don't want that. Um, we want change. So, want. I mean, can we have a quick little breakdown over the fact that Potter Potter went? Madness, but not madness at the same time. Conte went. That was brewing. That was always going to happen. I think that was we knew that was going to happen from about two years ago uh, when when they brought him in. Nagelsmann went. Top of the league isn't good enough for Bayern. Well, they dropped a second at the time when he got sacked, I think. And then two came in straight back to to the top spot. And Brodge. I thought that was going to happen ages ago. Do you remember how bad they started the season? They were just, like, shipping goals. But, well, yeah, Potter, he's probably the... Is he the biggest one? Who's the biggest sacking out of all of those? Potter, yeah, like, with the amount of money that he was on. And I think just the whole situation with Chelsea, with, with obviously, Bowley coming in and spending an insane amount of money and then taking all of the Brighton uh, sort of backroom team uh, and coaching team. Uh, and then just ending that project so quickly. I don't know, like, the Nagelsmann is obviously really big as well, like, it's between those two. Yeah, but it's not um, Premier League, so we don't care, hey? <laughs> it just feels, uh, it feels like Chelsea are in a much... I think this, this, the story at Chelsea is bigger because the situation is um, much more unstable than at Bayern because, obviously, Bayern have just straight away got Tuchel in. Feels like that's fine, <laughs> that's going to be pretty good. Uh, whereas Chelsea, there's like a hundred questions about what Chelsea's going to be over the next few years. Yeah, I think uh, I think as soon as you start promising to the fans things are going to be different, um, and that it's going to be a new journey, a new kind of approach, you then take that approach and then sack him without giving him the entire well, not even the entire season, without giving him the second half of the season or whatever. It's 22 games he got. 22 games, okay. Now, that's not long enough to give a project, right? Tuchel was sacked under this whole thing of, oh, it was 100 days in in business, if you're a businessman, like 100 days of business and they weren't getting what they wanted slash like fallouts, but, but just... I think a disgruntled Tuchel with maybe the the new ownership anyway probably created a bit of a frosty uh, 
relationship maybe I'm not sure uh, obviously I don't have a clue but I think there were some grumblings early on when when the new owners came in about that relationship with him and Tuchel and so it makes sense for them to kind of want to bring in their own man right especially if they're coming away from this Abramovich hiring firing but you know super managers elite managers who are going to at least be able to deliver silverware from from a good squad right so I think as soon as you start promising to come away from that and go towards a project or go towards something something new and then you then don't give them the time at least the end of the season then it just raises questions about the whole organisation and when you've already got the American owners memes going around and the football manager memes going around I don't think it's I don't know I just, I just it just feels like the whole reason they got rid of Tuchel because they wanted this new plan and then now they just get rid of this plan I don't know I, I don't know where I really stand on it because at the end of the day the the results were dreadful yeah he had less than 1.3 points per game I saw that was on match of the day they, they said that uh, which is very bad for a Chelsea manager um, obviously it was like a tough situation really to come in with all the players but um, yeah it is really hard to say because it, it feels like uh, people wanted him sacked for a while and sort of the reactionary like we've made a mistake situation would have been to sack him a few months ago but now that it's been on for so long I, I would have thought the same they'd give him to the end of the season and, and see where they're at but you know, they've said they've just not seen the improvements, which I think is, is totally fair. Um, you know, I don't really know what, like, Potter was trying to do. I don't know, like, if he ever settled on a team, really. Um, I don't know. I, I feel bad for him, but at the same time, I think probably not an entirely bad thing that he's gone. It's just that new ownership, getting rid of Thomas Tuchel for what didn't really seem like a huge reason and then following this project and just not even it's not a case of not seeing it through it's a case of dumping 300 millions worth of talent at his feet and then you know th- th- that then takes time to to gel to mold regardless of the manager um yeah it just seems like there there's still it seems like it's still Abramovich era i think um, which is which is fine if that's what you want it to be, but then it's a very different setup. It's not like an Abramovich hire is the problem, is it? To bring Potter in and all the all the Brighton people along with him and try and build something like that. You know, he's not something someone with a track record that Chelsea would be attracted to. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They they want winners, and he hasn't won anything. I think he never had the fan base, did he? Let's be honest, because people were calling for him to be sacked incredibly early when it was, it was, not justified at that time. But he could never do anything to win then the fan base over, and it was just a case of getting worse and worse, really, and getting more and more toxic. I suppose. So look, maybe it was the right decision in that sense. Yeah, it's a we- it's a weird one because I I really really liked him at Brighton a lot. I watched his Brighton team a, a decent amount, and you know they were really fun there was like all the memes about Brighton's XG which was 
Uh, it's a big underperformance. And then at the start of this season, it everything just seemed to really click under under Potter. And because um, they were in fourth when he left, I think Brighton. Uh, and this is before Mitoma was playing. He was just coming off the bench. He's obviously been absolutely brilliant for them this year, but that's like an asset that um, Potter didn't really um, get to bed into the team. It feels like Potter's sort of career is damaged a bit, when in reality, but but on 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 like a double-edged sword on both sides, because you've got Brighton are great without him, but that feels harsh to then level at him saying that he underperformed at any point because he definitely didn't. But then you've also got the fact that he he failed with. 300 millions worth of squad. If you want to build a case against Potter, there's so much there for you, right? Yeah, this is what I was going to say. Is that, um, He finished 10th under Brighton last season, which was their, their highest Premier League finish. He gets them to 4th before he goes this season. And at the time, there weren't people believing that Potter wouldn't go. Everyone just assumed that Potter would go to Chelsea. And obviously he did. I mean, there's lots of reasons to go to Chelsea because it's definitely a bigger club and lots more money. But uh, at the time I was just thinking, uh, give it to the end of the season with Brighton and that's a really good chance for him to see the project through to an ending and to uh, really assert himself as a good manager. Like, I think if Brighton had finished... Uh, top six this season then that would have been a good platform for Potter to have some authority over from what I've seen from Potter like obviously there was that video of him swearing about the Champions League but just his general demeanour like there's not that kind of like I've not seen anything that suggests that hard side to him where um, you have someone like Arteta who's a new manager uh really really loved by his players and has this amazing relationship but when he has to be there are those moments where Arteta is uh is doing the hard thing and I feel like Chelsea is is probably the worst club in the league like not to have that as well because they're bringing in so many different players and uh from like all sorts of different leagues whereas uh loads of other clubs like like he did at Brighton is like you can you can foster this um this this atmosphere at the club and it's something that it would certainly take time if it's even possible at Chelsea I don't know yeah I think that's I think that's true I think it's difficult to talk about um Potter in like a nice guy kind of sense because obviously to have, to have done what he's done there has to be different layers to him however I think it kind of draw what what you're talking about there of how they don't match sort of uh, Potter and Chelsea. They don't match for a number of reasons. But on the flip side, you also look at sort of Conte and Spurs and you see that same thing of of not matching in, in many ways in terms of spending, in terms of what they're expected to sort of where they're expected to compete, where they're each what they're each taking for accepting mediocrity maybe Conte is never going to be a manager that in his second season is happy still being in fourth 
or something like that, when the reality is, had the football been better, a lot of the fans would be happy for a stabilised second season of Champions League football, surely, right? It's my assumption. And Chelsea, they don't want a project. They don't want a, a manager to who necessarily will be playing good football. And I'm not saying Potter did that, but there were games where they won between the boxes, let's say, and but didn't win the game and missed some big chances and, 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 and many other reasons. But Potter, although it's completely reasonable to come out in a post-match press conference and say, well, look, it's not good, we didn't win the game, but there's this, there's this, we were unfortunate in front of goal. The XG proves that, and and other things. That's not a Chelsea. That's not something that Chelsea fans have ever heard or want to hear, because as soon as that's happened under Abramovich, they've been sacked because it means they've gone on a run of games where they haven't been winning. They're not fighting for trophies anymore. They're out the door. So, I think there's you, you've got some sort of parallels and some sort of like, well, yeah, some ways to look at it. And the reality is. Potter would have probably been a fantastic manager for Spurs to to have. I think they went for him and he said no, didn't didn't he? There were rumours, but uh There were there were rumours of that. Which but, but it would be perfect for him because if he's not winning in his first game There's less pressure, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, like, the, yeah, there's less pressure. It's Spurs and it's and it's okay because we can see something growing and it's exciting and it's you know? I feel like you, you can't get that at Chelsea. No no matter what you know, it's you have to be winning trophies, and so, and look, Conte wasn't a long-term success at Chelsea, but he was a, su- a success nonetheless, winning the Premier League because there is that ruthlessness to them that Chelsea fans want, and and, and their sort of culture has that through sort of Mourinho or, or or the the pure winners, and I'm not saying they've all got to be, they've all got to have that amount of needle in them to be a Chelsea manager, but. If you don't have that needle in you, you at least have to be competing at the very top. And if Potter went to Spurs as well, you'd have two strikers that are very good against their XG as well. So maybe it would be amazing. The question now is where does it leave? Well, where does it leave Potter really in terms of what has he has have his stocks dropped to a point where he can't get? Are there any uh, jobs he's just automatically out of the running for? What's the level? You know. And then the other thing I suppose is Chelsea. Where does that leave them? The, the two parties there, where does it leave them both? Uh, I'd worry about Potter in terms of getting the Spurs job, which is like, well, it's the biggest job in the league that he could get. I don't think Spurs would go for him. It's, it's close, it's really close, but I think there's enough to make you second guess bringing him in. I think it's a div- it's a very difficult job to take at the moment, Spurs, with with an aging Harry Kane coming towards the end of a contract and end of a sort of era, and he is everything there. You know, in in the sense that he is dragging them into a fight for fourth that they've, on based on performances, they've not really got any right to be in. Um. And if he goes to United, then where does that leave you in terms of the rebuild? I, I don't know how you rebuild when when I think money's been spent so poorly, really. Yeah, they could be in a lot of trouble if 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 you just take Kane out of that team. A lot of problems in that squad. And if you th- look, Son's not been very good this season, but take him out as well, for example. He's, what, 30, 30, 31 now? Let's say Kane goes to United and Son 
even if he doesn't move on, even if he continues the sort of form that he's shown this season and then moves on, um, sort of at the end of next season, you, you've got to, you need to look for some sort of future after the two of them. They wouldn't both go in the same year, though. I think because Arsenal had this situation with um, uh, with Sanchez and Özil, I think it was, and that was when Özil got his big contract. Is you know, is motivated by uh, not letting your two best players leave together. I think you know, I've seen how miserable Spurs fans are at the moment on Twitter. And could you imagine, like, if Kane and Son left together? They both go. But but the thing is, is is the the younger, the younger one and the inform better player in Harry Kane is the one that's surely more likely to go. So really, you're left with what then, like a 32 year old, out of out of form, Hyung Min Son. How do you? You're then... just adding to his age every time. <laughs> He's 30. He's 30. <laughs> no, but I mean, okay. When does he turn 31, Sam? He turns 31 uh, in the summer. Okay. And I'm saying if if Kane leaves at the end of this season, so he'll be 31 next season. And then Son, Son, then is there for next season. By the end of next season, he's thirty-two. Okay, I feel sure, like we're sure. having the Twitter, the famous Twitter. <laughs> but do you see my point, though? If you stagger the difference, then the older one, the one who's already older, is even older, and he doesn't really look like somebody who's going to carry a team at the moment, anyway. Right? I'm bored of this. Yeah, okay, that's fair enough. <laughs> that is so fair enough. But they're in crisis, Sam, because then what else have they brought in to bolster the, the numbers? An old Perisic, a chicken yeah. doubt, and didn't even mention the age. I think he's 32. A 37-year-old Perisic. Oh, he's 34. He is actually really old. He's 34. It, look, they're in trouble. They're in trouble from these crazy ramblings what we have worked out is that they're in trouble and does Graham Potter want to join this team Ab- potentially not but then if you want to give him look if if he is a rebuild manager maybe it's perfect in terms of a Spurs viewpoint not too appealing for him but I suppose he doesn't have the pressure of the Chelsea job yeah but all those Brighton scouts are at Chelsea still so uh, I don't trust the Tottenham talent ID to uh, to pull a Brighton no, but that's true. No Mitomas and Ferguson's at, uh, at Spurs coming through. So the other club is Chelsea. What will happen next with them? Uh, the news breaking through just now is that they're going to return to Lampard, uh, which is really fun. I'm really excited. Uh, I'm waiting for you to shout about Lampard because I can feel it coming here. Right, fun and exciting are not the two words that I would be using. We agreed that, well, everyone agreed, the Chelsea board agreed. Everyone accepted that he wasn't adequate, he wasn't fit for the job before. This is what baffles me even more a little bit. If you're then going to go to Lampard as a caretaker for the end of the season, somebody who's already failed in the job, then why why not just keep Potter till the end of the season? I've got to give some pro-Lampard... Uh, opinions, okay. I'm logging off. Uh, I'm not. I'm not pro Lampard, by the way. But I am going to give some pro Lampard opinions. Come on, then. Uh, just to entertain you. So it was the transfer ban time, and and he got fourth still at Chelsea, 
which is great. Champions League. Everyone thought they'd be bad. Because uh, uh, Hazard went as well, didn't he? Um, so it was looking really bad for Chelsea. What uh, what Lampard did re- really well that season was bringing through the younger players. Like uh, like it was Mount, Tamori, Tammy Abraham, wasn't it? Yep. And... Uh, you know, he kind of did that at Derby a bit as well. I know, like, Derby are good players, but, like, this, this Chelsea team is full of, like, young, unrefined talent and that they don't really know what to do with at the moment. And I, I have faith. No, I don't have faith. But there's a possibility, let's say, that Frank Lampard takes uh, Mihailo Mudrik or uh, Madweke or, I don't know, anyone. Any of the 30 Chelsea players that are mostly pretty young. And he he gives them the little like, uh, little push <laughs> into becoming proper Premier League players that know what they're doing, and the next season, someone with more tactics comes in, and then they use this like well-adjusted, you know, Mudrik, Badishile, whoever, and then they're like the best team in the league. Maybe. So you're saying like Todd Bowley's pulling a. Go and stay at Uncle Frank's. Uncle Frank will look after you. Go on. Uncle Frank will put an arm around the shoulder. It'll teach you about running into the box, arriving late. It'll be attacking football and we'll go for it. And he'll settle you in. Go and stay at Uncle Frank's for a bit till the end of the season. Get your head straight. And then and then we'll sort it all out. Is that what you're saying? And just saying that based off previous youth players that he's brought through, you know, there's signs that he'll be able to do the same. Sure, why not? It's possible. Yeah, completely disagree, completely disagree. And in fact, it all went wrong when they could start making signings and they brought in two play- too many players at once and I don't think he could handle the dressing room full of stars. So I, I see what you're saying, but I think there's a huge difference between Tomori, Mount, Abraham, that kind of Chelsea Academy player who's been out on loan plenty of times and they've got the club hero in who's going to give them a chance. Plus there's a transfer ban so they know they're getting a chance because it all fell apart as soon as he can make signings because they spent a lot of money. And and I remember there being a lot of talk saying, oh, you know, he only brought, bedded in the youth and brought youth through because it was a transfer ban by the end, of, well, by sort of midpoint into his, his next season. And... I don't see Mudrick, Enzo, um, Joao Felix, Madueke. Well, I, I don't know, but I don't see that. These are all, it's a different scenario when you've been signed for 100 million. You're on this many wages, Joao Felix, for example. Mudrick, 80 million. I think the characters then are very difficult. Uh, uh, well, potentially not difficult. And it's it, you can't just say that anyone who's expensive is a, is a problem in the dressing room because it's not the case but I think it's very different to bedding in academy youth players who are doing everything they can to prove that they belong there do you know what I mean? Yeah I do think it's very fair I think Mudrick is the one that I could most see changing because uh, I mean he's been a bit embarrassing so far but a lot of it is like confidence He has and there's no doubt that there are Chelsea players in this squad who have been signed for 50 to 100 million who should still feel now that they've got to prove something to themselves right or or to their to the fans or prove that they belong to be there right 
it's not like a total oh well I'm on this much money so sod it like doesn't matter we're doing badly I think the results have got so bad that it's a bit humiliating if you like if you're a big money player and you're young so I do see that there can be some sort of intrinsic motivators that aren't the same as a as a youth player coming through looking to prove themselves but you know someone who's been signed for so much and it's been so poor needing to prove themselves and and sort of earn the right and 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 earn the trust of the fans but i just i just think i don't i don't believe at all that that lampard's the man to do it to be honest i really don't and i think if anything I think I think things could get worse. Do you? Well, Potter's a better manager than him. They're eleventh at the moment. So how okay, much worse? Okay. Well, not worse in the table then, because they're they're sitting at the top of the of the 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 gulf, right? The big gap from where twelfth down, everyone's in a relegation scrap. But eleven nine nine points fun. ahead of. Um, Palace and Tooth, but but so so okay. But I think I think results could stay just as bad, if not worse. What has Lampard ever done in his career to prove that he will put up better performances than what Pod has done? Exactly, right. <laughs> but but simply the new manager bounce. A fresh face, people wanting to prove themselves, could be enough, right, to, to to turn something around a little bit, and it be, well, it it can't be a respectable end to the season because they'd have to win an awful lot of games to make it respectable, and I don't see them doing that at all under Lampard. But that new manager bounce, that new energy, that fresh face, that change, it could, it could create an environment that goes and not kicks on, but just wins a couple of games for a change um, but I don't I don't see much of it being well like you said with Lampard's tactics I don't think anything's going to be down to that and I don't think I'd be very surprised if they if they perform significantly better I'm excited to see it though either way I mean the fun thing about Chelsea is like you can build anything basically uh, without as long as your team doesn't rely on a, a number nine, <laughs> which is most teams. I mean, it was really funny watching uh, watching Harvards and Joe Felix against Liverpool. You know, it's like the Chocker Brothers up front basically. Like they they had such good XG again against Liverpool, and they're just like so. It looks so good technically, and then when it gets into the box, they've got to shoot. It's just terrible. Honestly, it was it was awful. It was. I'd like to see Lampard try and fix that. Yeah, but I just don't know how you even. I don't know. I don't. It, it's just. I mean, when Lukaku comes back, is there? Do they keep him? Does he want to stay there? I don't. I don't think so. Does he? Surely I don't think not. he does, but new owners, new managers, changing all this. Every time he comes back, it's different. So, but there's just so many players as well. Like it's just another hundred million player that you're just putting into the Chelsea team, and like, well, what do we do with 
with all the other 100 million players. What I will say, though, actually, what I will say is Kante coming back could help Lampard out a hell of a lot. Because that midfield three of Enzo, Kante and Kovacic, on paper, you've got ball retention in Kovacic, you've got a deep line playmaker who's got an eye to sort of fire a ball between lines and break lines in Enzo, and you've got Kante who, look, we've not seen him for a very long time, we don't know what Kante is coming back, but if it's if it's, you know, 75% of the player we know Kante can be for the rest of the season. You've got a tremendous ball winner and someone who can use the ball well and and has phenomenal running power in there. So as a three, that, that is tasty, you know? Yeah, Kante was good against Liverpool uh, in the week. Yeah, he was. He was. And Enzo looks a, looks a player, despite their issues, despite how poor they've been he's he looks intelligent his his choice of pass and his like defense splitting passes do look nice you put that in there in a more in a more balanced team you can you know that kind of player can really excel i don't think he's the kind of player who's going to sort all of the issues out but if you've got him firing balls through to sort of joao felix who's dropping off that defensive line and then have runners going beyond joao felix and then you've also got Kante, Kovacic around Enzo in there. It's a very nice midfield. So I quite liked the match of the day analysis of Enzo Fernandez though against the Villa match where they said uh, he cost a hundred million, he's not as good as John McGinn, and that was basically it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, should we talk about Leicester? Brendan Rogers, B Rog. Well, Brendan's gone. B Rog Rog. Uh are we sad? Are we sad to see the back of Brendan? They've had their own issues with with money and spending, and I think the spending power of the Prem is maybe in a stratosphere that they couldn't really keep up with, at least recently. On top of that, they've been dreadful. Surprised he didn't lose his job earlier on the season. But then saying that, it would have been a surprise if they had sacked him earlier on the season because you think of Brendan Rodgers as as a good coach. Um, with a good group of players there at Leicester, but I just think maybe it's all a bit outdated in terms of Rodgers himself and the Leicester squad itself. Um, I don't think it's done much to keep up, and a lot of other people have, a lot of other teams have made big advances. I think we we used to be able to turn around and say, "Oh, Rodgers at Leicester, that's quite a nice mix," because he's quite a He's a manager who's done pretty well, right? And it's an it's an aspiring club who had, had some miraculous success and then looked to build on it quite well with decent signings. It just sort of petered out. And now you're looking around the rest of the table and you're seeing um, Lopetegui at Wolves, Emery, as you mentioned, at Villa and other top-class managers who are as good, if not better, than Rodgers have been appointed to clubs down in that mix and I feel like that's just pulled Leicester from mid-table to relegation scrap does that make sense? they've been improving they've been improving less than the teams around them which means that they're gonna fall below and uh, you know they're 
Their transfers this season, they brought in Wout Fass and uh, Harry Suter, who are both good signings. But then that's basically it, uh, just sort of bringing in two centre-backs. They brought in a 20-year-old left-back for 12 mil. He's got five appearances, called uh, Victor Victor Christiansen. Yeah. With Brendan Rodgers kind of losing some steam in terms of being being a manager, a good manager. Um, yeah, it's a tough situation for them, isn't it? You know, they're in the Champions League like uh, eight years ago or something. Pretty bad if they get relegated, though. There, there was a platform, right? Yeah, there was. A, I mean, it was always going to be difficult for anyone thinking that they were going to become some like way of breaking into the top four. I think the most impressive thing was compounding the the sort of Premier League and then chat well not the most impressive thing, that's a ludicrous thing to say. But the fact that they actually still went on to win an FA Cup after the squad had changed quite a bit from that team uh, that did so well, right? Obviously the Premier League was just this miraculous thing and, and so impressive under Ranieri. But the fact that there were then changes, they were in the Champions League a bit, they kind of dropped then I think, well, they were sort of around the top eight for a bit. Rogers comes in and it looks like it could be a bit exciting. It could be exciting and sort of, they look like they're sort of building. It's tough to build once you've just gone and won the Premier League and then how do you, what become, what counts as sustainable then, right? If they'd have been mid-table, I don't know, you you feel like there'd been enough money to make some decent signings. And for a time, it, it... It was alright, wasn't it? But it's just slipped away. I think like the Jamie Vardy ageing factor is pretty big because they brought in Pat Sundaka for 20 mil and uh, Ian Atchow's I, I like but um, between them they've not replaced Vardy yeah. at all. I really. think it is, that, it, it is that kind of team though. It's like a team that you like. You're like, oh that's kind of fun but it doesn't actually work. They're like a Bundesliga team. What? Which one? <laughs> no, no, no. Just like they would fit in in the Bundesliga, I feel. Would they? What, and do well? Well, I don't really know how well they would do, but it just feels like a Bundesliga team in the sense that it's kind of like, well, they're they're not, not here for the taking part because that feels a bit harsh on the Bundesliga, but it's like, well, you know Bayern are going to win it. It's It doesn't... You're not going to go down, but it, you know... It's not as important if you don't go down because the money's fairly evenly spread other than sort of Bayern and then Dortmund second. Um, and you just sort of like, it's all just quite safe. But but they're not playing in a safe league. They're playing in the Prem. So everyone's just been surpassing them whilst they've just been sort of having fun on. Yeah, I suppose so. I'm thinking of Harvey Barnes in the Bundesliga and thinking that thinking that'd be quite nice. Yeah, and really... Yeah, and they're quite direct, right? Okay, this this fullback, for example, that they've signed, Christensen, you would expect him to be going somewhere as a stepping stone before he goes to Leicester. But instead, they're like, no, 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 we'll try it because because if it doesn't work, it's not the end of the world. It feels like that's the approach. Even even Fass and Sutar are sort of like fairly niche. And, and it's like, if they work, it's great. But that sort of era of of being able to take risks down there is is if they're the only signings that you're making it's not going to cut it when Forrester bringing in like 
20 players and some of them are Kaylor Navas. You've got like Gibbs White coming in, looking to prove himself. You've got, you know, Dennis. well, Froiler, Dennis, you know, plenty of others. And it's, and it's like you're signing the bottom end of those Forest players without actually signing the top end ones that you know are going to do pretty well. And, and you're, you're only taking the risky ones. Yeah. It feels, it feels like in your mind, you imagine Leicester of, as having a good squad. And then when you look at it, how players have regressed, like, uh, like we mentioned Vardy, but also like Ndidi and Tielemans have not been as good recently. Um, it was 30 mil for Pats and Daka, by the way. And he also spent 20 mil on Bubakari Samare. 17 mil on Yannick Vestergaard. That was their transfer yeah, like, season. Yeah, like, what, what the are these signings? They're fun, in a way. They're fun, because Pats and Daka was scoring tons of goals in uh, Austria, I think it was, right? Yeah, Salzburg. He's 22 uh, when they signed him as well. Yeah, so it was fun. But you're going from Jamie Vardy, someone who... You know, not single-handedly because so many players were great that season. But he put you're, you're looking at a guy who who put a run of sort of like ten consecutive games with goals together, like won a Premier League with Leicester. Is every defender who plays a high line absolute nightmare? And you're replacing him with Pats and Daka, which which you know could could work, but. But if it do, but there's a high chance it doesn't work, and if it doesn't work, what what are you going to do then? It looks like nothing. They just won't do anything else. They'll just keep then Vardy and keep trying Daka. It's uh, yeah. it's a tough one. But then I don't know who I don't know who comes in and I mean I think it's not a very appealing job. Like what we said about the Spurs job. It's 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 its own mini version of it with with Vardy being thirty six and going and you look at the players the board are signing you're not going to go in there trusting that you're going to have a good group brought in in the summer to work with yeah is Potter going there is it no from Potter you think I'd love it if Potter went there I think it'd be great I think it'd be very difficult for him but then uh, honestly you look at sort of vacant jobs at the moment and the standard of the Prem. All of the jobs are very, very difficult. Do you think Potter would say yes, though, to Leicester? Yeah, why not? Why not? I think you've got to take chances when they come. Although I'm sure next season there'll be plenty more chances. He doesn't exactly need to rush into a job with the rate of sackings these days. <laughs> but... That's true. The Deitch uh, strategy. Yeah, because, I mean, whoever's down the bottom of the table, they will get sacked. <laughs> <laughs> so it's fine. Yeah, is it eleven or twelve this season now? Of lost uh, track. I'm not sure. It's one of it's one of the two. But the big stat is like Deserby's like the tenth longest serving manager or something. But um, do, does he take the lesser job? I think he, I think he should because having said all of that, if you can get a tune out of Barnes, Madison, Dakar, Ian Acho. But uh, I don't think you can trust the signings. But then equally, Rogers has a record as well of making dodgy signings. So how much of it is the club? How much of it uh, is Rogers? I don't think Rogers is out looking for saying we must get this Danish kid at, at left back. But it wouldn't surprise me if there are a lot of dodgy signings that it's found out was down to him. 
Where does Brendan Rogers does Brendan Rogers get a shot of the Spurs? Uh, how much has this damaged <laughs> no. Brendan Rogers's? A lot, chances? I think. I think it's damaged it a lot. I mean, he won the FA Cup, which is great. The Spurs job. The Spurs fans won't be happy with that at all, will they? No, they wouldn't. But yeah, I see. But but then he's won the FA Cup with Leicester. He's won. He did well at Celtic, but then that's just Celtic. So. He's an odd one, really. He's kind of played it a bit safe since Liverpool, but then equally, it's not his fault he went to Celtic, and then he went to Leicester and won the FA Cup, which is a decent job. I don't know how much more he could have really done. Hmm. Yeah. Like, it's just like how bad Leicester have been this year. I think would put. Yeah, it would put people put off. them off. And he does seem to have a pattern of capitulating after like a couple of seasons uh, well with Liverpool anyway and then Leicester it's been a little bit longer than that but something that's for sure is that Rogers teams don't f- take a sort of upwards trajectory and then he gets picked up and goes to a bigger club and that's why like he stays long enough to see himself become the villain and he doesn't stay that long so clearly there's an issue there right Um, I'm just looking at the longest serving managers in the Premier League by the way it's very surprising. Do you know? Do you know who they are? Um, well, Klopp and Pep up at the top. Yeah. Moyes. Moyes is only fifth. Moyes is fifth. It's because he had two stints at West Ham. Okay, well, that's what's like. fooling me. So Moyes is fifth. So we've got a third and fourth in there. That's how the numbers work. Third and fourth. One of them is one of them is a Premier League manager. The one in fourth. One of them is a Premier League manager who was also managed in the Championship. I'm really struggling, Sam. So the third longest ever manager is Thomas Frank. Okay, of course I should have got that. To be fair, you don't know who's in fourth. A fourth. <sighs> Arteta's probably yeah. Yeah, it's Arteta. Yeah. Feels weird. Okay. And so like Unai Emery is the eleventh longest serving manager. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's basically just until Moyes. So there's five managers that have been here, um, longer than two years. How many managers have been there longer than a year? Eight. Ten Hag is the ninth. So we're here sitting around talking about projects, talking about, you know, uh, he's you know a, a, a manager who wants to build, and yet only eight managers have even made it past a year. <laughs> yeah. So there is no such thing as projects, really. No, I guess not. Well, there world. is, and that's and the teams that win are the teams that have projects, I suppose. Well, exactly. Yeah, it's Liverpool, City, Arsenal, Brentford who have like shot up, done really well. And uh, West Ham. So it's not I mean, rocket science. All the yeah, it's all there. I don't know what to say about West Ham apart from that they're they're West Ham. <laughs> they've they've got Moyes. Well, I like Moyes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I He's don't know right. what to make of this squad. I'm literally watching them bring on like Maxwell Corne and Danny Ings no. and. Forgot all sorts. they were there. Sue checks coming off. They're they're just such a. 
I don't know what West Ham are, Sam. I don't know how good any of their players are. Do you know how good Danny Ings is? Could you tell me how good Danny Ings is? No. No, because he's injured he, uh, all the time. He's either injured... Playing under Gerard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Suchek. Is Suchek good? Suchek was everyone's favourite thing. No, I think we know what it is. West Ham were playing in a certain way that protects base and, and, and hit teams on the break. And they've tried to become something else to dominate more phases of a football game. And a lot of players have been found out because of it. And part that's not that's not all of their fault. It doesn't mean that they, none of them can play like that. Um, but, I mean, you're looking at like a Jared Bowen. What is a Jared Bowen these days? Without space to run into or a plan that suits him. He does come across pretty one-dimensional. You know, they were only good during the lockdown, basically. As a team. During the no-crowd era. How good like was their, their form were... in that period? Yeah, because because they could sit R- in. Really good. They? I need, we need to go back and watch some games and see just how boring they were. And the fact that nobody complained because no one was there. Mm. Yeah. Well, they, um, they, you know, they obviously got into Europe based on that. That season, like what they finished, uh, what seventh would it have been? Um, to get into the Conference League, but they were really bad once the crowds came back. Even like at the end of that season, well, not really bad. So are we saying were, are we saying they deserve to go down? Uh, no. Are we saying <laughs> they are saying. we saying they deserve to go down for ages? No, I'm sorry. If the only time they can perform is when there was nobody there, get them out of the league. Well, I mean, well, there's currently five teams worse than them, is what I mean. I mean, it's West Ham. like they're, Yeah, okay, they're but Sam, if you could relegate... Okay, from 12th down, if you could choose who goes down based based purely upon not being Premier League worthy, who are your yeah. three? Um, Not Premier League worthy. I'm not talking about the name. I'm talking about... I'm talking about... The Premier League is the greatest league in the world now with the most money pumped into it and the most talented players. If you're running about with Sue Fowl, um Jared Bowen as your star man, Maxwell Corney, you know, with with these kind of names, Sue Check even I'll throw in there, because he's just he's just a a cheese sandwich these days. Nothing interesting at all about him. Um who on that kind of basis who deserves to go down? Uh, definitely Saints, Bournemouth, and then uh, I'll probably chip Palace in there because they're just a bit boring. Palace. I like, I like Eze. I like uh, Elise, but I don't really like. Uh, well, I like the centre backs. So I think I Palace know. is harsh. Maybe. You know, I think if Palace bring in a, a, a striker that's that's fun and and not just Edouard or Mateta, I think they could be, they could be a thing of beauty. Yeah, but, you, like, you know, who else are you choosing? Like, I'm not putting Leeds, I'm not putting Wolves. Everton, West Ham, probably not. I Forest think I'm throwing West Ham in there. I think I'd rather see Palace stay in the Prem than West Ham stay in the Prem. I've just suddenly just decided I hate West Ham. Okay. Well, they do have fine. Lucas Paquetar, but what on earth is he doing there? <laughs> they got Skamaka as well, I remember him. 
he's not playing. Yeah, they are just in a bit of a caught in the the middle of an identity crisis, I suppose. Og Bonner, he was uh, he was good on FIFA. Yeah, sure was, sure was. Declan Rice, he's he's good at football. Uh, thoughts on the Kane incident? Uh, very funny to see Spurs fans on Twitter relate it to absolutely anything possible. <laughs> all right, well, that's about all we, we're going to talk about this week because we talked about a lot. Uh, talked about a lot of nothing, Sam. I'll tell you that much for free. I I I can't remember anything we've said. Frankie Lamps. There was all the Chelsea Chelsea stuff. Hashtag lamp lamp back. Maybe every week it needs to be uh. Hodge back, <laughs> lamp back. Well, yeah, it keeps happening, doesn't it? it? People keep bringing people back that they had before. Maybe next week it'll be Potch back. It could be. It actually could be. It's not as good, though. There needs to be a Spurs player who's like... Who works for that. Ledley King. No, it doesn't, doesn't work. Why does that not work? Because it... Like lead back, isn't it? It's not or what king back. <laughs> no, it doesn't work. King back. That's well, not good though, because it's just <laughs> yeah, a lamp a, back. It's awful. I don't get. I understand <laughs> what you're saying. There's no two syllables to then swap out the second syllable for back, but lamp back is awful. Hodge back, love it. Um, Kubak, huh? Eunice Kubak, <laughs> Eunice Kubak, Eunice Kubak. Oh, like Kabul. Benoit Osu Ekobak. Benoit As- <laughs> Oh my god, that's the best one yet. Benoit Asu Red Redback, Harry Redback. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Harry Redback. Ha- okay, they have to appoint him now. Alright, well, well we'll see what happens with all of the that's a fantastic one, Harry Redback. We'll see what happens with all the uh managerial openings. Next Harry time. Redknapp after oh. he's been sitting uh <laughs> In the Benidorm Sun for a bit too long. I'm a celebrity. Uh, Harry Redback. Champion. No, he's got sunburn on his back. Harry Redback. <laughs> <laughs> Good goodbye, Toby. <laughs> goodbye.